whenever I hear that this meeting is being recorded, it's kind of like the flashy light going on before you do the news or something. Not that I've ever really done the news, but I have been on a couple like morning shows or something. It makes it seem super legit whenever that voice comes on. Hey, this is Heath Patchett and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 234. I really didn't think I was going to come back from my last episode, which was supposed to be the last one. In my mind, I wasn't going to pull a Brett Favre. I'm not even a huge football fan, but when I think about people who say they're going to leave something and then they just keep coming back, I think of Brett Favre. Anyway, I'm really excited because the RV Entrepreneur podcast is back, but with a caveat, there is going to be a new host coming on for the 2022 season of the RV Entrepreneur. His name is Joshua, and the purpose of this episode is kind of a handing off of the torch. Instead of just having somebody come on the podcast who you've never heard of or you've never talked to or any of that, even though you don't really talk to somebody on the podcast, it's one way, you know what I mean, you've never heard of Josh. So I wanted to set up a podcast episode and introduce the new host of the RV Entrepreneur. This was not planned when I hosted my last episode. I wasn't going to go out and look for a new host. It was kind of just something that organically happened and it just felt right. And I was excited for him to step into this role. He's somebody who is a new RVer, just hitting the road with his two little ones and his wife, Coley. You're going to hear more about that in today's episode and why I was excited to have him step in. We also talk about a few other things in this episode, such as scarcity versus abundance mindset, how Josh and Coley are planning to raise their kids on the road in their RV. And we also talk about how to pick names for things like your blog or your podcast or your YouTube channel and why sometimes names matter and why sometimes they don't. I really hope you enjoy this first of many episodes with the new host of the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, Joshua Sheehan. Joshua, what's up, man? Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Heath. I'm excited to be here. Actually, thanks for being on the podcast for the rest of 2022. Right, right. (laughs) For those of you who are not in the RV Entrepreneur Facebook group, and maybe you're a passive or non-passive listener of the RV Entrepreneur podcast, there's actually something pretty exciting, which is I obviously quit recording this podcast last summer, and I met you, Joshua, at our RV Entrepreneur Summit in the fall, and we had some good conversation. I don't think we talked a ton, but just a little bit. There's a lot of people there, so we kind of floated in and out of conversation but after that, I kind of reconnected and I had a few people reach out to me with interest to buy or take over the RV Entrepreneur Podcast or the Summit. And I really wasn't sure what was next for us. I don't think I told you this, but before we even met at RVE Summit, I kind of had it in the back of my mind. I was like, Joshua could be a good host or person to like step in as a host really? of the podcast. I did. And then we talked and you were like, yeah, I, we're just getting on the road and I think it could be cool. And so I, I really am grateful and appreciate you being willing and excited to take on the torch and have a commitment at least through the rest of the year to be the host of the RV Entrepreneur. Yeah, I am excited. And that's interesting to hear that you had thought that because we had talked online, just some messages back and forth, because I was reaching out to you to ask, how can I grow the RV content creators group into more of a community? Like you've done a really good job with RVE. How can I take things that you've learned and lessons from that and integrate it into this community? I was thinking about 
and it was said talk to Damien from Rootless Living and he's like hey at some point if you ever want to do a meetup with content creators or do a podcast I think you'd be really good at it if you want to bounce ideas off me go ahead and so I was talking with him too and so then it starts coming in from multiple directions of hey you should start building more community start doing podcasts and stuff but then when we talked at the summit and you said you talk to me when this is all done when we get some time to think it's crazy how it morphed into that, but I had no clue that you had thought about that before it because we hadn't met yet. We just talked online and you know, through Facebook groups, but that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was just an inkling in the back of my mind. And I guess what made me think of it is being involved in the RV content creator group. I'm more of a wallflower. I would guess I would say than being heavily, I make a few posts every now and then, but just seeing how you've kind of been, you've been thoughtful about community and the way you engaged with that group. I may have not always done a good job in our RV Entrepreneur Facebook group, but I've always kind of felt like I had an intention at least of trying to not make it be a place where I just go to share my own stuff. I did have the intention of, and I still do, of making it a community, which is why I'm excited to have you continue the podcast. And so I felt that that was something that you were had that intention as well with content creators. I mean, I know you have your own YouTube channel at Gander Flight, and obviously there's always some element of personal ambition that gets thrown into the mix, but it seems like a genuine intention to like support other people who are trying to do the same thing as you. Yeah, absolutely. I think the rising tide floats all boats. There's plenty of room in the ocean for everybody to have their own boat. And I think the more you can help others, the more you help yourself. And that's just my view on it, on how at one point I had somebody reach out and post in the RV or the RV content creators groups. Now I'm going to get all these groups messed <laughs> up now, right? And said, hey, I'm starting a group that's, actually she didn't, that she had started a group just on blogging for RV content creators. And I posted <laughs> it in the group saying, hey, if you guys are into blogging, go join this group too. And some of the people posted back that they were kind of astounded that I would promote another group in my group. I said, hey, if you can find value somewhere else, go for it. If this isn't the place that's best for you, then I don't need to like, we don't need captive audiences. There's plenty enough to share. And the more that we can help each other and cross pollinate and just support everyone, I think the better off everyone's going to be. I 100% agree. I feel like I've heard inklings of people who they may not have been head to head competitive from a content perspective. And I don't feel that I've worn, we talked a little bit during our quote unquote test interview the other day about this. But I haven't really worn my content creator hat, I feel, in a while, at least through the lens that I'm spending my time every day on work. It's been mostly focused on campground booking. But when I was in that space more often with blogging and YouTube and the podcast and everything else, I never, almost ever had a competitive inkling with other people. I just didn't see it that way. When I looked at other people in the space who were doing cool things. And it's funny because with campground booking and on the software side, I hyper see it. So I, I understand what that feeling is like whenever, I don't know why it is. I guess there's some areas of my life where I think I really do have a, I'm trying to think of the, what's the word? It's not limited mindset, but scarcity. In, in some okay. areas, like when people are really competitive, they have a scarcity sure. mindset versus like an abundance one. And so when it comes to things like content, people's attention, I've always had more of an abundance. I've really loved watching Jason and Abby from RV Miles and the, the content that they've put out and they have a podcast. Like they're only, there's not a ton of 
RV podcasts and I, I barely listen to any of them, if I'm being honest, but I have watched theirs on YouTube and I love it. I think it's great. There's never been a, a thought in my mind of if somebody watches their thing, that means they won't listen to my thing. And maybe that's true, but it doesn't serve me in any way. The only thing that I thought when I watched there is like, I like them. I think we could be friends. And then we hung out this year at Summit and I would call them a friend. It's weird how in one realm of your life, you can have a very much an abundance mindset. And then the other one, it's scarcity. So when I think about competition and landscape and the tech space and what I'm trying to do there, I don't know why, but I feel that sense of comparison and anxiety when I see somebody's doing something. It's not a good feeling. I don't love it. Do you think it has anything to do with campground booking is an entity versus all of your content creation is personal. Do you think Maybe. there's anything, to, a separation there? You're not competing personally against anybody, but when you talk about your business, it's its own thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was reading in a book recently, it may have been, there's a guy that is kind of floated to a pedestal in the technology space that is called Naval. And so a lot of people follow him on Twitter for like philosophy and life stuff. And I picked up a book that had some of his notes in it. And I think this was from him. And it basically said that the way to escape competition is through authenticity. So if you're going to do something, especially something like content, there's only one Joshua Sheehan and nobody ever can replicate that. They can't replicate your story, the way you talk, your family, unless you're trying to just be somebody else, there's nobody who can ever be you. So you don't feel maybe that sense of competition with others. Like maybe mm -hmm. you want somebody's numbers or you can feel jealous that a channel's growing faster or whatever, but you're not really ever worried that somebody is going to tread on the turf of you as a human. Right. And the case is kind of made for people who have built huge podcasts, people like Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan. You can't be them. You can't. And so I think in some ways I felt a sense of maybe it was overconfidence with things like RV Entrepreneur where I'm like, this was an extension of me in some ways, even though it's not all about Heath, it was very much my life. And there was a lot of things I got out of the journey of it. And I have to really dive into that more because I don't know if it had to do with the fact that I was trying to get something and I felt like I needed to get something out of the software company. Otherwise it was a failure. And maybe that's why I felt it because it felt heavier. And maybe I just didn't feel that. I, I don't know. I'd have to really kind of look, be more introspective, I guess, to figure that out. But that's an, I don't think I've ever really talked about that before. So that's an interesting topic. I'm supposed to be interviewing you, man. Well, what's up? <laughs> just practice it. Let's stick into your story and let people get to know you a little bit more because you're stepping into the role of host of this podcast. Give us a little bit of a snapshot of what your life has been. I know you and Coley and the twins just hit the road recently in your travel trailer. What's kind of been the snapshot of what you were doing the last handful of years as you were gearing up for hitting the road and what kind of sparked that idea of full-time travel for you? Yeah. So I think it goes back even further than the last couple of years. And before I started doing any sort of creation and Coley and I met in 2009, she was in the air force and we were both in Idaho. We ended up moving to Norway right after we got married and we lived there for three years. It was super cool experience going to a different country. Definitely uh, was an experience doing it as a newlywed. Not only did we have to get ready to be a couple, but also do that in a new country. So that was a, an experience, but we got to travel a lot. And I think that as the conversations went during that time, I grew up in Illinois. She grew up in Washington state. We didn't really have a place where either of us were very tied to in so much as like, Hey, when we're done moving with the military, we want to go back to X location. And so that really opened up the doors of thinking, well, where do we want to go? 
And so for the next 12 years, moving around to different places, we came back, we went to New Jersey. That's where the boys were born. And then we went to Louisiana and then to Texas. I really can't pinpoint where RVing came into the picture, but it's been there for at least a decade. So we had started out in a pop-up camper because that's what our minivan could tow. And uh, we had two pop-up campers before we got the travel trailer that we're currently in. And this whole time, when we were in Norway, I worked at the, the shop at and the community center there at the NATO base. That was the only jobs available to me unless I was able to get a Norwegian visa. So I worked for the U.S. Air Force in those positions. But then when we got back to the States, uh, we bought a house and then we got a dog and then we found out we're pregnant and then we found out we're pregnant with twins. And at that <laughs> point, we decided that I was going to stay home, that we didn't want to pay for childcare for two, especially since... We were following Coley's career. Any job that I was going to get in New Jersey was going to be something temporary. My degree is in outdoor recreation. And we quickly realized in Norway that outdoor recreation, especially in a military sense, is nights and weekends because that's when active duty have off to go do those things. So being married to someone who's in the military, we would be at shifts passing in the night. And it wasn't something that we were going to go down when we got back to the States. So then when we found out we were twins, we decided we were going to be a stay-at-home dad. And I've done that until we left in November. I was stay-at-home dad, did homeschooling. Getting a pop-up was just the, the RV that we could get into. I've often heard pop-ups classified as a gateway drug. <laughs> you get it because it's what a lot of vehicles can tow and it's inexpensive. You can store it in the garage. And then uh, we, we loved it. It was awesome. And around that point, I was just kind of getting antsy, needed some sort of creative outlet and I had gone to a conference for a podcast that I listened to and met a gentleman there who was doing his own YouTube channel and running a Facebook group. And it was super intriguing to me. Shout out to Bo Brotherton with Better Together Life. He's a homesteader that's converted a 16 by 40 shed into a house and he's building on raw land. I just got talking with him, got inspired. I remember watching different channels, feeding the boys when they were babies and watching YouTube. And it was always something like, I've got lots of things to share. I just never got the oomph to do anything about it. So then when this itch started to go and I needed some sort of creative outlet, I started to think of different things to do, inspired by Bo on creating YouTube. And originally I started a blog because I wanted to be anonymous. I didn't want myself out there. I quickly realized that it's too hard to be anonymous and share personal stories. You're chasing lies at that point. And so I decided, okay, well, let me give video a try. Just out and of curiosity, what was the, the rationale for wanting to be anonymous there? I don't know. Just not having people look into my life. I never wanted to be a public figure. And I, there's nothing more to it than that. Growing up in, in high school, I was always behind the scenes. I was big into the theater and drama, but I was always stage crew or stage manager, lighting, sound, stuff like that. All the supporting roles. So I got into YouTube. And I really enjoyed it. I found out that I, I enjoyed it a lot. And then I started getting into learning how to not only just present ideas by like turning on a cell phone camera and hitting record, but the act of telling a story, you know, what type of gear can I grab that will make telling my story better and provide a better experience for sharing the information that I wanted to share without going out and buying thousands of dollars worth of things. And I'm a, I'm a gear junkie. I like I like researching gear. And so a lot of things with my channel originally started out a lot of DIY stuff and now has morphed more into RV stuff with still a DIY bent. Recently, I've been doing a lot of comparisons of different RV gear. 
And I really enjoy that. I like getting them, touching them, testing them out and seeing what I like, what I don't like in different situations. One or another piece of gear would be helpful for people. It just kind of morphed into something. And then we knew when Coley was going to retire that she'd get a retirement from the Air Force, but it's not going to cover all the expenses that we need to live, especially if we're going to be traveling. And so I started focusing on growing Gander Flight into something that could be monetized. And then that goes into a whole nother sphere of learning the business that is content creation, deciding whether you're going to focus on one platform, which I didn't want to do because then that puts all of your eggs in one basket. And if Google and YouTube decide to change one thing, then you're out of luck. That's what caused me to create the RV content creators group is because it was selfish. I wanted to learn. And I figured one of the best ways for me to learn was to get people who had already done it and ask them questions. But I thought if I'm going to ask these questions, there's going to be other people who have these questions. So if I open in an, if I ask it in an open forum, but with a closed group, that when I ask a question and I get answers from two, three, four other people that have been doing this for three or four years, other people can go and reference that and learn from it kind of just as a fly on the wall. And then that leads us up into when you posted about the last summit this fall, I was like, I'm going, I'm going to figure out how to go. And it was not tough, but it was a little logistically tough because we homeschool. But that was also the last two weeks that Coley was in the office at work. Thankfully, her boss was cool and let her telework from home. And then she was able to, to balance doing homeschool with the boys and allowed me to get out to Montrose to go to the summit where we met you. And uh, the water keeps flowing down the stream until we get to the point of talking today. <laughs> I love it. You're making my job really easy because I feel like you told your story in such a way that it was a good spark note version of it. There's a lot of kind of threads I want to pull on. The first one is we were laughing before this episode about, I asked you what gear setup you have for recording this podcast. Can you repeat what your gear setup is? Because afterwards I want to share what mine has been for the last five years. Sure. So I, I like gear, but I also, there's not a ton of space in this travel trailer. Like we are bursting at the seams. I didn't know a whole lot about payload capacity and cargo weight. Turns out my travel trailer has 2,900 pounds of cargo capacity, which I didn't buy it because of that, but that's huge. Like there's plenty of fifth wheels out there that don't have that much cargo capacity. That being said, I need to keep it small, light, and be able to move. Right now I'm in the master bedroom of our travel trailer. I've got a tripod, a camera tripod on the desk with a mounting plate that I screwed into a piece of wood the computer on top of that and a mouse. And then I've got another tripod that is stuck up with an, an arm coming out, kind of like a microphone arm. I mean, it doesn't move like a microphone arm, but it'll work. And then I've got the podcasting microphone plugged into that and then into a recorder and then into my computer so that I have to my computer, but it's also recording to an SD card in the recorder. That way, if one or the other bounces, I have a backup recording because I hate losing content. I hate losing content. I've heard several podcast hosts <laughs> say something in their episode about, hey, this is the second time we're recording. So if someone sounds a little tired with the question or whatever, that would just bug me. And I'm sure it'll happen at some point. It will. You can only have so many fail safes, but anything that I can do to, to stop that from happening off the beginning, uh, I was interested in doing. Yeah. I love, I love that you're a gear junkie. I'm the opposite. By the way, I think in five years, I may have had one episode that didn't get recorded. And I actually think it was me being interviewed by somebody else where we're doing like a podcast swap. Okay. Could be, there might be another one I forgot about, but yeah, it well, definitely good to happen. It's and it's it's super annoying, I'm sure. But it's I, I was laughing at the photo that you sent me of all your gear set up on your bed in your travel trailer because I've had the same blue Yeti microphone for five years. I, I I did it did crap out once and I got another one and I just like went on Amazon and reordered the same 
Blue Yeti microphone, like same, not even like a custom stand, just the same stand it comes with. I realize it's not an area of my world that gives me a lot of energy to focus on gear, but I have such a deep appreciation for people who do have that because otherwise I would never learn or, or level up in any gear. Cause I would just get something and be like, okay, it works. And I wouldn't have a good case even to elicit to justify or rationalize a higher purchase because I'm not going to research anything. I just be like, I think I want a nicer camera. She's like, well, why do you need to spend three grand on it? I was like, because our friends Karen and Nate have it and it looks cool. And she's like, well, that's not a good reason. So, anyway. Um, yeah, well, that's did, also did, a good, that's a good lesson too. And that, so if you're into gear, go for it, dive in, research it. But if you're not, you don't need a bunch of gear. It's possible to do an entire podcast with a cell phone and a set of earbuds. If you like gear, get into it, guys. If you don't, there's ways to do it inexpensively. And it's it's not something that don't let gear be a barrier to entry for you. Yeah, I, I think that's such a good note, especially when you look at the early stages of many YouTube channels. The videos are quite terrible but they ended up building meaningful channels because they had a good story. So if you have a good story and, and you don't have a good gear, I would say you need decent audio. Usually if you don't have good audio, people won't forgive that, but just decent and a good story and have something to say, I think is probably more important than the nicest gear in the world. So going back to y'all's story, so you had this kind of dream. It sounds like you and Coley were never actually apart. So when she would move somewhere, you all would move. Fortunately, we were able to follow her to all the different stations that she was at. You know, I, I went to Norway, and then when she got to station in New Jersey, Louisiana, and Texas, those were all locations that family could come with her, except for the deployment. She deployed when the boys were just two. She left the house thinking that we would be in New Jersey, and then she got orders while she was deployed, and she actually never came back to the house because I had sold it, packed it up, and we were waiting in the hotel for her to then do the road trip over to Louisiana. But other than that, we've been able to stay together, which has been awesome. Wow. How long was she deployed for? About six months. Wow. That is a long time to be away from your partner. It is. And I'm also thankful that it was only six months. There are some friends we've had, especially in the army that were 15, 18 month deployments. And that is just, it is mind boggling. Absolutely mind boggling. Wow. And where did she, where did she go? Qatar. Okay. Well, Tell Coley, congratulations on her retirement and thank you for her service for all these yeah, years. We'll do that. Has she been, has she been really excited and looking forward to this new season of life being not that you haven't been together for most of the time, but you know, being together and traveling, has this been something that she's been excited about or that you've both have been excited or has there been any fears going into this? It's funny. She's been excited about it. She, she enjoys not doing nothing, but not having work responsibilities. She's enjoying that, taking a break from 20 years of being responsible and going wherever and whenever Uncle Sam tells her to go. Both her and I are very much planners. And it's interesting because so far in our travels, we really haven't planned. We have general ideas of where we want to go and big, big rocks to fill on the map. But two or three months, we don't have any reservations other than one or two days at a specific spot. And so that is something that is totally out of character for us. But I think it's also a growing opportunity in so much as letting go of control of that. I have no concerns that we're not going to find a place to stay or, or be in any sort of harm's way. But it's just, if you had told me a year ago that we would be out on the road without having a reservation for next week, I would have told you you're crazy. 
So I think it's a really good growing opportunity for both of us kind of just a let go. We'll see how it works out. Oh, I'll let you know in a couple of months. One of the things that kind of stuck out to me whenever you were telling your story is that you watch YouTube for years. And I think your channel as it stands today has around 15,000 subs. And some of your videos, it seems like your style is a little bit more similar to maybe the RV geeks who have evergreen content that's less about your story and more about the SEO related value added things like your top viewed video, I believe is around things not to do when buying a pop-up camper. Yeah. The goal is to, I heard a comparison one time of are you creating a newsstand or are you creating a library? And the content that I've been focusing on thus far has definitely been library, something that you can come back to in three or four years and it'll still be still be applicable. One of the growing pains or the growing acknowledgements with that is I think building a library is something that's definitely more slow growing because I see other people in the space that are doing the newsstand thing and they, they grow super fast. However, a month and a half, eight weeks out, their content is kind of hitting the plateau and then it really never grows on. Whereas I've had a lot of success 12, 18 months out that a video or a, a piece of content will be picked up and be shared around by the algorithms 18 months after it was published. But the goal is evergreen content that can be referenced years to come. And, it, and it's probably also just what makes you excited and what gives you energy to work on and put out there. I know for me, whenever we did international RVing, I loved filming and doing the newsstand style. I'd never heard that before where we were sharing our story because I knew that even if it didn't, nothing gained any type of traction on YouTube, then we would have them as home videos. And I know a lot of people say that, but like, I genuinely watch them as home videos all the time because we're in a season where we've got two two and under, and we're not moving a ton right now. We just did some trips domestically. We enjoyed that. But when it came to other mediums like podcasting, I did love the idea of my content was tied to a lifestyle that I loved, which is being nomadic and traveling. But if that ever needed to stop, my income wasn't inherently tied to me doing something. Like I never wanted to be in a position where I needed to get up and go do a hike today. Otherwise I couldn't make money. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's not always the case. Cause I think you can grow out of that with scale, but that was always something that was a, a bit of a fear for me. I don't know if that's true or not, but that was something that was kind of always in the back of my head as well. I think that's something that was in the back of my head when I was choosing a brand name too, and that I did not include DIY or RV in the name because then it allows me to pivot unless I turn out to be the RV geeks and an RV for the next 20 years, eventually I'm going to move on to something else or incorporate something else into my life, not having to shut one thing down to then include other things. And that's the, the beauty of this day and age of having personal brands is it it's personal, whatever you're doing falls under that umbrella. Yeah, absolutely. So you started making videos when, when was it exactly two years? Two and a half years ago. Yeah. Two so my first, ago. my first video I published in June of 18. One thing I'm curious about is I feel like it's hard to go from zero to one, whether it's a business or content or anything like that. Just there's a lot of fear that people have of getting started and trying to think about things like gear or what to say or what name to pick. I know you kind of mentioned some of your fears a little bit or or some of your thoughts going into it, but if you could talk to somebody else who is at least getting over that initial hurdle of starting, what advice would you share from just getting moving? My advice would be blunt and I'm parroting someone else that told me the same thing. No one's watching. 
no one's listening. Just put out content and practice your craft because the only way you're going to get better is to do it. You just got to jump in, take feedback where is warranted. And I found when asking for feedback, if you ask specific questions, you get much better feedback. Oftentimes you'll see someone post a video or a piece of content or a podcast and say, hey, give me some feedback on this. Well, everybody's only got 24 hours in the day. If you're asking for them to sit down and watch a 40 minute podcast, that's your, your second one that obviously you need to grow in the, the art of podcasting. That's a, that's a big ask to take up 40 minutes of someone's time to do that. So if you can say, hey, how was my transition from my intro to the interview or whatever? I think asking for specific feedback really helps you grow faster and asking questions. Just ask a lot of questions and ask clarifications and be the squeaky wheel, but in a enthusiastically curious way. I love the idea of specific questions. Was there any specific feedback that you asked for with your YouTube channel early on that you remember as being particularly helpful other than no one's watching? (laughs) (laughs) And it's not... No one's watching in a bad way. Your mom's going to watch, your your spouse is going to watch. But I saw a, a post actually today that said something to the effect of people may not support you until they see strangers supporting you. And there's just something about that. You, you hear someone's got a, a grand idea that's outside the box and you don't quite believe them until it's done. Because you hear tons of stories of people saying, well, I didn't tell anybody until I could show them results. And I think it can go both ways, whether you keep it secret or whether you... You say, I'm going to do this because there's also an accountability part of that. If you say, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to post X number of content on a schedule, then if you don't post in two weeks, someone will be like, hey, didn't you say you were going to do this? And then you either have to own up to it or get your button gear. Got it. And, and so talk about the name a little bit. What is Gander Flight? What's the story behind that name? So the name comes from a mixture of two different things. One of them, when Coley and I had taken an anniversary trip, we went to Northern Sweden to go to an ice hotel. One of the coolest trips I've ever been on. We went out dog sledding and we stayed in an ice room and it was awesome. And we had been talking at the bar there about one of the drinks that they had was called a, a snow bunny. It was hot chocolate with some sort of mint liqueur in it. And it was called the snow bunny. And I had been saying, if we had call signs like pilots do in the Air Force, I would call you Snow Bunny. And then it kind of the conversation kept morphing. I don't remember if it was that day or a different day, but eventually it came into, she started calling me McGoose, uh, a mixture of Goose from Top Gun as the navigator and then MacGyver because I'm super handy. And so McGoose became my call sign. And then, so then when I was coming up with the name for Gander Flight, Gander being the male head of a goose family from, from goose, and then flight being like a journey or an adventure. So Gander Flight, it's my, my journey, my flight. I like it. Yeah. It's cool that there's a backstory. I don't know how much you've ruminated on the name or if you went back and forth, but I know for Alyssa and I, that was a whole thing for a while on figuring out what we wanted to name our our blog and our podcast and every time I name something, I end up probably defaulting to the most boring of names, our website, heathandalyssa.com. The RV Entrepreneur, a podcast about running a business from your RV, campground booking. There's a part of me that wants to be very eclectic and creative and gone with the winds. I love their name. It's so cool. There's a lot of cutesy names and I, I feel like I've just defaulted to very boring ones. So is that something that you had to put a lot of thought into, obviously you put a decent amount of thought into it, but did you kind of ruminate on that for a while and worry that it was the right name or did you feel like it didn't really matter all that much? 
No, I felt that it did matter. And I did ruminate on it for a couple months. I think I ended up just having a you know, piece of notebook paper that I just would write brain dump words or thoughts and then see how they can be combined together. And then I haven't used a thesaurus since, but I was looking at the thesaurus <laughs> and using, using that to figure out what different words could fit for what I was trying to convey. Got it. That makes sense. So transitioning a little bit away from names of YouTube and blog, you were effectively full-time dad for the past eight years up until you guys recently hit the road. And one thing I'm curious about as a relatively new father of two and a half years now is Ellie's been home sick this week and we have Eli who's two and a half months and Alyssa's also been sick. At one point I'm down here on calls and I've got both of them in my lap and Ellie's bringing me (laughs) Play-Doh donuts and it's sweet. And I love this season of life. I'm incredibly grateful for it. There's also like, we were on the road for a month during my paternity leave after Eli was born and we did Disney and Eli just slept the whole time, but Ellie had a blast and it was fun. And we visited family and and I got no work done. Absolutely none. And it was, that was the intent just spend time with family and everything. But I think even if I wanted to get work done, then when your kids are at this age, you just, they they require almost like full-time attention and mostly Mm -hmm. most of it's playing. So I guess in your scenario, did the kids get to an age where they were independent enough that you could be like, do some of your math and I'm going to go outside and film a video in front of the pop-up camper? Or like, how has that been as you've kind of worn both hats of of dad and and starting to be a content creator, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think it, it ended up, I guess the answer is yes and no. They got, they got to an age to where they would have, they would have daily free time and they would have a a TV show or something they watch. So I would have 40, 45 minutes that I'd be able to go grab something without someone coming into the garage or out running. And you go back through the videos, there's definitely times where they were in it. And we had gone back and forth for a long time about whether we were going to include them in this. And we hadn't, hadn't posted any photos of them online. We just sent them directly to friends and family up until six months ago. And the thing that changed it is we talked about it and they're old enough now that they can decide if they want to participate or not. And they have said that they do want to participate. That's just what we ended up deciding on. And so I think it'll be a little bit easier now because some of the things that I was doing early on, you know, I was trying to do while watching them, but also keeping them out of frame or out from yelling and or coming up with crazy ways to, to keep their faces out of frame. It's a growth thing for the whole family. And it, we get everything that we needed to do for the day. If they had free time, I would go take 20 minutes and, and film something in the backyard. But then also I did a ton of filming just on the weekend. When Coley was home, I would go on Saturday mornings was usually my time to, to record and do projects. The hard part being a lot of DIY projects and stuff is what I was filming. You turn on the camera and you try and tell a story doing a project. It takes something that could have taken 10 minutes and now it's probably 45 or 50 minutes because you have to move the camera or think about this or if I set the camera up here but then the sun's shining you can't do it or the wind's blowing we lived in north Texas for the last two and a half years it's super windy and there were certain days that I just couldn't go and film outside because it was too windy I don't know if that's an answer specifically to the question but yeah it was just finding time and it was I guess motivated behind I needed that creative release for myself. So we made it a priority and we made time for it to happen. And oftentimes it was on the weekends. That makes total sense. Another question I have is it's more on the personal family side, just thinking about being a dad. And again, I'm looking, it's hard as a host 
or I guess former host of this podcast, you are now always the host. Be the host, Heath. <laughs> to not insert your own curiosity and your own season of things that you're working through. And for me as a dad and entrepreneur, there's been a question in my mind that I've had prior to kids, which was, do I travel today and go do a hike or do I do some sales calls? And, and there's always been a little bit of that internal push back and forth. And I don't think it's unhealthy. I think it's part of our life the last few years. And I'm very grateful to have even that as an internal dilemma or thing that I'm pondering and thinking through. And as I look at the next season of life, I think there's probably some very special years when the kids are before kind of official school age, even though I know they're learning so much right now. In your mind, was it nice to have those years with the kids be fully present? Or was it, I'm sure also times it's like super exhausting because I know when parents are like, oh, it's the best, most fulfilling thing. It is. And it's amazing. But it's also like at the end of the day, when I'm the past two and a half months, when I've been on paternity leave, I'm like, I got nothing done today, except mm -hmm. I swept five times. I made breakfast and I wore a princess hat and, and I love it. Yep. And I'm, <laughs> it's great, but there's a difference in feeling like you're productive and creative in your career and also as a parent. And I feel it's a new kind of back and forth struggle. So I don't know how you have approached or thought about that. I've felt it for the past eight years and I wish I had words of wisdom to give you. <laughs> I, I did not come up with it. Ultimately, you just have to reconcile it in yourself and start realizing that, I don't know, one of the things I tried and it does help some is that like write down everything you did. And so when you do dishes three times, four times a day, and then you, you played for 15 minutes, you just tracking your time because it does, you get to the end of the day and Coley would get home and curiously, she would ask, well, what'd you do today? I have no clue, but I'm <laughs> exhausted. I have no clue what I did today. Everybody's alive and fed. That's what we did today. <laughs> Uh, thankfully, we got outside to the park for some fresh air. I, I have no clue what we did today, but everyone's alive. Yeah, it's just, it's hard with little kids. And it, I don't know. My mom was one of nine. My grandpa's brother had 14 kids. Like, I cannot oh imagine. I it, it's, imagine. It's, it's a different calling too. And I think people are different. Obviously, they were called to have 14 kids. And it's a totally different lifestyle. And I think that's just the cool part of society is that if that's your calling, you can do it. And you can find a way to make it work. And if it's not, you don't have to. Alyssa's one of six and I'm tripping over here on Play-Doh cups and, and Legos with two. And I'm like, I think I'm good. I think I'm content. <laughs> I think two is my calling. I think I'm perfectly happy here. So with, with the boys being eight now, they're at that age. Our friend Joe and his wife, Rhonda, they took their son, Austin, on a um, cross-country road trip in an Airstream when he was four. And I asked him the other day, because they are in the same town as us now in Colorado, Austin, do you remember your time on the road? And he was like, no, I don't at all. And, and I think Joe and Rhonda were a little bit, how much do you remember when you're four or five? You have the photos right. and it's part of your life story, but at eight, I think they'll remember a lot of this time. And at the very least, it'll be kind of ingrained the, some of the things. So as you're looking at full-time RV life now for this next season, how are you thinking about it in the realm of furthering your kids and who they are as people, if that makes sense? I wish I could say that that was by design, but it just worked out timing wise that they were turning eight when she was retiring. You're right. It is a perfect age because memories of eight and up are going to be with them forever. How's it going to be uh, in furthering the boys? The really cool thing is that we knew from the get go that we were going to be doing this. We've been homeschooling since kindergarten. 
Then when we left in November to go full time, the only thing that changed was the venue. Instead of sitting in the backyard, we were at Big Bend National Park and being able to be flexible with location and days has been really helpful for us. Sometimes we'll go and be able to go to a location or do an event on, on Wednesday, knowing that we can then do school on Saturday and having the flexibility to do that. But the cool thing that we want to do and is just explore be able to show the boys all the different places and get them to experience different cultures within the States, maybe internationally, we'll see, and just give them different experiences by immersion, getting them into things, getting them into different programs and presentations at different monuments. Instead of learning about something through a picture or a video, we can learn about it beforehand or afterwards, but also go see the White House or go see the Golden Gate Bridge. And so that's what we're excited about is to go to see where history has been made, see where history is being made. Even more so than the locations is also making new friends and visiting old friends. Because of our time in the military and how that whole system works, we've got friends literally all over the country. So we're really excited to get to introduce our kids to our friends that we met before they were born and also just integrate families with with new friends that we make on the road. I love that. I remember when we first started RVing, my grandparents were the only ones who I really knew who had, they're the only personal people in our close set of family or friends that had been on the road. And he was in the Navy for many, many years and they hosted a reunion of their ship for geez, decades. And he ended up passing away this last year, but they just had like a, a list, a Rolodex of all the people that he knew from his time and he gave it to me. He was like, if you ever need anyone in any of these places, you just call them and tell them you're Bob's grandson and they'll take care of you. And I think in some way, I've had some conversations with friends before who don't travel. And they said, I, I love the idea of the enrichment for our kids, but I just think community is so important. And that's been how the conversation has went. And in my mind, it was way easier for us to make friends traveling as crazy as that sounds, because I felt like we got to do life with people very intensely for short periods of time. We would go, uh, some of our best friends live in Northern Alabama in a town called Florence near Muscle Shoals. And we would go there every year for like a week or two. And we just like do life together. We'd park next to their house or stay in their Airbnb and take a break from our rig. We'd, hey, do you want to grab breakfast this morning? And you kind of get to go deeper versus mm-hmm. if you're living in the same town with somebody you might that's something I've talked about before on the podcast, but it's so true. And I think the cool thing about now traveling with kids and having groups like full-time families, which is amazing, is you can go park for a month or two and your kids can be around people all the time and they can develop, I think, relationships faster. And, and then you can plan travels and caravans of those people. So to me, we're living in a really great time for this because it's not like you have to give up you don't have to give them an income because you can earn it from wherever and you don't have to give up that sense of community. It's something that you can prioritize and almost toggle on and off as much as you want. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And being able to take part in those communities and using the connectivity of our world to then further meetups and discussions and opportunities to have those relationships blossom is fantastic. And you're right. There's no time in history where it's been easier to travel and also create community at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it'd be fun to do a caravan trip with you guys at, at some point. I don't agree to get a, another another rig. We're mostly focused on spinning up a campground, but it's always in the back of our mind. Like, what would that look like? So as you're kind of bringing this back to the podcast, one, I want to say again, that I'm extremely grateful for you stepping in as the host and committing to host the podcast for the rest of this year. We've kind of outlined a high level agreement. Neither of us have like hired one another or done to work on a podcast to bring somebody else in. So it's a bit of an experiment for you and I as well. But I know from 
our conversations over the last few weeks and and how you you know produce content on your YouTube channel. I'm personally excited to to listen to this podcast moving forward. And I guess from your perspective, what kind of made you excited to step into the RV Entrepreneur podcast host and put that hat on for this next year? I think what made me excited to jump in and, and become the host is that I have gotten so much from the community that this was a, a no-brainer way for me to give back. I think that there's a ton of stories out there left to tell, and I'm super excited to be able to probe and ask those questions. It's, it's going to be a, a place of growth for me to, to sometimes ask those hard questions that I think I got to make them come out of my mouth now. And, but I think those are the, the episodes that make the, the most impact when everybody listening is just thought the same thing is the host going to ask it. And so I got to try and do my best to ask those questions and be able to tease and pull out strings in someone's story to get down to the why and the how and just give insight to different stories and different experiences and hopefully provide inspiration at minimum entertainment, but hopefully inspiration for someone who has thought, Hey, that would be cool to do. I wonder if we could do that to say, yes, you can. And here's X number of examples. How I love it, man. Well, I'm excited to listen to all the podcasts that you're going to host this year. And if people want to connect with you personally, where is a a good place to do that? Ganderflight.com, or you can check me out on YouTube where we're pretty active on Instagram as well. Ganderflight. And if you are a RV content creator, you're posting content about RVs, you can go ahead and check out rvcontentcreators.com. It'll take you to the group there. And I just want to say thank you, Heath, to you, because it is definitely an, an experience for both of us, but it is a super awesome opportunity for me. And I know that you and Alyssa have been taking and putting in so much time and effort into your projects that having someone come in, it takes a lot of trust and I appreciate it and I acknowledge it. And it's, it's super cool. So thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. And I'm excited. I think it'll be a lot of fun. One of the things you and I talked about the other day was my personal ambitions for this year is trying to set less objective and more subjective goals. And when I think about collaborating with you with this podcast and listening to the episodes and seeing new people come on and new episodes hit on anchor, it just makes me excited. And that's what I want to spend my time doing. And I feel like that's been the theme of this podcast for me over the last handful of years is like, how do I spend more time doing what I love. And so I'm excited to listen to you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on Joshua and sharing some of your story. And I look forward to hearing you on upcoming episodes of the RV Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for listening. Please drop a review in iTunes. And actually now Spotify has ratings as well. And I don't think we've got even our first rating in Spotify. So if you're listening to the podcast, And you just want to give Joshua some encouragement because you're excited to have new episodes of the RV Entrepreneur and grateful for him picking up the torch. would love for you to go to iTunes and Spotify and just say, thanks so much, Josh. Excited to hear you on the show. That'd be super meaningful to both of us. Hope you have an amazing day wherever you're listening to this. And we'll see you next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.